This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to My Favorite Murder, the mini-sode that's also video-sode. That's right. We're videoing this. You can see Karen's beautiful branch art and my rad sweater, I mean, I say so myself. The visuals of this mini-sode are unprecedented. Uh, Uh, Never before have you seen a branch or a sweater. (laughs) Fan cult, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. Yeah, join the fan cult if you want to watch. But you may not want to. You're like, I'm only audio. And it's like, that's yeah. fine, too. Live it. That's fine. And there's other perks. Anyways, let's not sell ourselves. Oh, there's no. Let's uh, let's not sell ourselves. Let's do our job. That's right. Uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Go ahead. Sure. Why not? Okay. This is called Treating Google Like a Friend Pays Off. To Karen, Georgia, Stephen, Jay, Haley, Hannah, and the Animal Crew. She gave everyone a shout out. Amazing. I'm emailing from Melbourne, Australia. Thank you all so much for creating a podcast that brings so many of us so much joy. We bloody love you down here. <laughs> this story is from my parents' hometown of Tangambalanga. And then it says you're welcome because they wrote it out. They phonetically. <laughs> Tangambalanga. <laughs> you're welcome. Which is about three and a half hours northeast of Melbourne. Think a population of 500-ish, beautiful rolling hills, and beef and dairy cattle aplenty. For as long as I can remember, every member of my extended family would go weirdly quiet and awkward when the name of a local family was mentioned. I'm not going to say the name of the family. Years ago, the family lived close to my grandparents' farm before the family moved interstate. It wasn't until my own interest in true crime started to escalate that I decided to Google the family and the town. What can I say? I'm a nosy millennial. I treat Google like a friend. I ask it everything. Anywho, it turns out that Ashley, one of the sons in the family, abducted two young teachers from the local primary school as a 14-year-old. This was in the early 1970s, and it was normal back then for the rural primary schools to have young teachers live right by the school. Ashley calculated how to abduct them, hijack their car, and demand them to drive to Sydney about seven hours away. He went to their house armed with a 22 handgun. When they stopped for petrol, these two managed to be freaking awesome and raised the alarm, and he was sent to Melbourne to the equivalent of a juvenile detention center. He was released shortly after, and that's when his family moved interstate. Obviously, I went to my mom, and she confirmed the lot. She said it was an awful time for everyone in town, and as a 14-year-old herself at the time, she was in his class, she remembers it super clearly. Mom said that he had always been a scary sort of kid, quite a loner, but of course nobody thought it would escalate to this sort of degree. 
As we all know, the 70s really weren't the era to focus on genuine rehabilitation or providing support to incredibly troubled kids. You would think that literally abducting your teachers at gunpoint would set off alarm bells all around for the entirety of this kid's life. Unfortunately, Ashley grew up and got much worse. In the mid-1980s, he responded to an advertisement from two university students for a roommate. This was in Burwood in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. It was awfully calculated. He bound them along with one of their brother-in-laws who was visiting at the time and killed them all in cold blood. Oh, my God. After about a month on the run, he was eventually captured while trying to abduct a couple at gunpoint in broad daylight near the National Gallery of Victoria. During his entire trial, Ashley exercised his right to remain silent. He was ultimately sentenced to three life sentences in prison. He's still alive and serving time at a maximum security prison just outside of Melbourne. Stay sexy and Google that sus family nobody wants to talk about. E. Wow. I know. Also, it's kind of like a uh, an ongoing story. It's just like it starts bad and gets horrible. Totally. And um, the mom was in class with him. It's so terrifying and sad. Yeah. Yeah. I've got more of the same. <laughs> Ready? Yep. The subject line of this email is in the church with the candlestick. Okay. Good day, fellow little sisters. My hometown murder comes from Bristol, Connecticut, home of ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> hilarious. Wow. Um, I didn't know I, I had yeah. a home. Uh, yeah, it does. And it's in Connecticut. Okay. Bristol, in fact. Oh. I now reside in Melbourne, Australia. No way. Uh-huh. And then, then it says, please come back. So many good stories. Yes, we know. Uh -huh. It was late 1999 when I was nine years old that my love of true crime got started. Growing up, my family and I went to church every Sunday. I didn't particularly enjoy this experience, but I did love one of the priests. Father Lish was a kind, warm-hearted man who made going to church enjoyable and always gave a sermon that wasn't too preachy or made you feel like a terrible person. That's a rare gift. <laughs> Something hard to do for the Catholic Church. Sorry. Yeah, I did get my commentary in there. Um, story goes that the parishioners came in for a 7.30 a.m. mass and Father Lish didn't show up. Figuring he had just overslept, the lay minister led the prayers, read the gospel, and even gave Eucharist. While departing, a few people stumbled upon wrapped up linen that was shoved under a pew. Upon further inspection, they sadly discovered it was the badly beaten Father Lish. Oh my God. Police were called, and the cause of death turned out to be blunt traumatic head injury caused by a four foot tall brass candle stand. The person responsible was Matthew. We at a 32-year-old ex-Marine who had severe mental illness. He was caught because he was wearing Father Lish's clothes mm. and was using his credit cards, which he had stolen from the rectory after the fact. He was also seen fleeing the scene in a white hooded robe as if he was... Uh, dressed like a priest. To make things worse, on the day Father Lish's body was found, the obituary page of the Bristol Press carried a small unsigned advertisement with a prayer to the Blessed Virgin, asking her to, quote, secure me in my necessity. <gasps> the newspaper said the $80 ad was bought by Michael Wiet, who insisted it run on that Friday. Oh my God. He ended up getting 60 years in prison and hopefully some much-needed help. P.S. I also went through all my schooling with Aaron Hernandez, former pro footballer and murderer. 
I worked at a haunted house theme park, which had four deaths, and a co-worker of mine was murdered in Boston, which mm. had been linked to the Smiley murders. So maybe the Smiley face murders? I think so, yeah. Is that Boston? I don't know. Um, it's safe to say my interest in true crime grew as I did. Love what you do. Stay sexy and don't go to church. C. <laughs> that's, that's the lesson we learned. <laughs> C and C has she, her pronouns. That is, yeah, that's, oh that's my what you end up at at the end of that story. Oh, that's, that's so awful. sad. I, I, it's so rare to find like a really solid, you know, and I feel like in any religion, and someone who makes it fun for children and like to lose that is gets it right yeah 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 Yeah. and then also that it's like a murder that happens in the church totally oh my god horrible okay this one's called no one does murder panic like a mom this starts hi gorgeouses (laughs) oh no hi gorgeous but it should be gorgeouses, I think. I was listening to an old minisode about a woman who nearly called the police after she found a baggie with her own hair extensions behind a plank of wood in the closet. It inspired me to write in with the following tale of the time I was nearly a murder victim, but not really at all. Here we go. The summer between my freshman and sophomore years of college, I was staying on my mom's couch while working at a downtown coffee shop. One evening after working a closing shift, I arrived home at about 1030 to an extremely distraught mom who shouted, oh, thank God, and pulled me into a hug the moment I walked through the door and then proceeded to yell, where have you been? I've been so worried. Confused and startled, I said meekly, at work? I was at work. Mom then shouts, why did you call to say you'd be home hours ago? I've been so worried. Let's back up. It's earlier that evening. Mom arrives home from her office job to an empty house. The voicemail light is blinking on the phone. So this is pre-cell phones. Mom listens to the voicemail. She hears my voice saying, hi, it's me. I'm leaving work at five today. So I'll be home in time for dinner. Mom checks the time. It's 530. So I should be home any minute. She starts dinner pretty soon at six. Then at 630. I'm still not home. Mom listens to the voicemail again. I definitely say leaving work at five. I should have been home at least an hour ago. Okay, so maybe I took a detour on my way home for some reason. No need to panic. Fast forward two hours to 1030. I'm still not home. Let the mom panic commence. As I said, this is pre-cell phone, so she couldn't call or text to find out where I was, but she could have called the coffee shop where I worked to ask what time I left or to find out if I was still there. I was. No, instead, my always expect the worst mama has my mild-mannered stepfather drive her around town to, and I quote, check the gutters for my body, (laughs) which they do for another hour, finding the gutters to be bodiless. They head back home at about 930 Clearly, my mom says it's time to call the police. Stepfather somehow manages to talk her down from that ledge, maybe by telling her they probably won't be able to do much as I've only been a missing person for a few hours. I don't know what the next hour was like for them, but let's just say my stepfather is a very patient man. Now our timelines meet. It's 1030 and I walk through the door, very much alive and unharmed. Cue the hysterics. Cue confusion. Cue the voicemail. I listen to it, but I cannot for the life of me remember leaving it. I wouldn't have left it. My shift ended at 10 that night. It makes no sense. Maybe the voicemail went haywire and dug up an old message and presented it as a new one. Stuff like that happens, right? Ghost in the machine and all that. Let's be grateful I'm home safe and sound and not a body in a gutter and move on. The next day, my sister is home. We tell her the whole story. She asks to listen to the voicemail. We play it for her. She says, wow, Naomi, your voice really sounds like mom's. 
Mom's eyes go wide as saucers. Her jaw drops. Hand flies to her mouth. Oh my God, she whispers. That's right. Mom left the message herself. (laughs) Promptly forgot, arrived home, listened to the voicemail, and well, you know the rest. As soon as my sister said that our voices sound alike, which in my mom's defense, they definitely do, she immediately remembered leaving the message. The three of us <laughs> laughed until our sides hurt. But now that I think of it, I don't recall my stepfather joining in on the laughter so much. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that I've inherited my mother's inclination to panic first and ask questions later. But maybe because of this experience, I've developed a pretty good inner voice that can talk to the panic rationally, which gives me a measure of self-control. But as any murderino well knows, scary shit really does happen all the damn time. So really, the only sane thing to do is panic sometimes. Anyway, stay sexy and definitely search for your daughter dead in a ditch if you haven't heard from her in a few hours. Naomi. I'm sorry, (laughs) Naomi's mom, but there was one step that was skipped that is kind of crucial. Why didn't you just call her at work? Totally. Totally. Just one phone call. Like, the place is still open. Leave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. yeah, but it's almost like she was set for it. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I would it. have laughed. I would have never stopped laughing. Yeah. If that was me. Definitely. Okay. It's called police car placement. Hello, my badass BFFs, two and four legged. Hmm. Your mini sewed last week about the girl and mom who were put in the police car front seat reminded me that I need to tell you about this. It's a little long part of a sermon I gave at our UU congregation on December 26th. A couple of months ago, my youngest daughter, Sarah, and her youngest daughter, Maya, and a friend of Maya's all got parts in an interactive play in Utah. They drove there and the play was a success and a good time was had by all. On the way back, passing through Montana, the friend was driving and went over the speed limit. They were stopped by a police officer who told the driver to get out of the car and come with him. He put her in the front passenger seat beside himself with no barrier between them. Now, in our experience when an officer puts you in the patrol car he puts you in the back seat where there are partitions in between the front and the back left and right my daughters and i follow true crime religiously and instances like this often do not end well for the young woman even if the man is a genuine police officer it's called a red flag sarah and maya both got highly suspicious and called 911 first to make sure this officer was legitimate they were told that he was concerned for the young woman's safety they got out of the car standing next to it with their arms crossed the officer ordered them back (gasps) in the car they said no he asked what they were doing and maya said we're watching you he ordered them back into the car under the threat of arrest. Sarah told Maya to get back in the car while Sarah stood her ground. After a few more tries on his part to get Sarah back in the car, he wrote the driver a ticket, he let her go, and he brought Sarah to his patrol car, putting her in the back seat. He handcuffed and arrested her and took her to jail. There, she was photographed for her mugshot, processed, and assigned to cell, where she would spend the weekend since it was a Friday night and no one was there to set her bail. Shit. She asked the attendant about the questionable practice, and the attendant hesitantly and unconvincingly said, uh, yeah, that's our standard operating procedure. On Monday, she appeared before a female judge who seemed to be quite empathetic to Sarah, fined her, then forgave the fine, and let her go. Side note, at Sarah's job, Sarah was worried she might be fired for being a jailbird. When she went to work back to work that Tuesday, she told them about the incident, 
And her bosses basically said, we won't fire you. We're glad you did that. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm very proud of Sarah and Maya for being there for their friend to the point of being arrested. <sighs> All of the women I brought into this world directly or indirectly are fierce warriors and will risk anything to come to the aid of friends, family, strangers, or animals. In joy and in concern, our presence is the most valuable. The greatest gift is for a person to give up their life for another one minute, one day, one weekend at a time. <laughs> Your presence is as much a miracle as any birth. It is the greatest gift. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's part of the sermon, I think. <laughs> P.S. I got Sarah a fuck politeness t-shirt for Christmas. Yeah, you fucking did. <laughs> Gotta get one for Maya, too. Much love, respect, and gratitude. Stay sexy and keep watching Janet. Oh, my God. Janet! Janet! Holy Isn't that good? Shit. Yeah. Hell Yeah. Why are they in the front seat? Yeah. Do and it if outside. She, if she hadn't gotten arrested because she insisted on standing there, who knows what would happen? Like, it, it's worth getting arrested to protect your friend. That's fucking bananas. Well, and also it's almost, I mean, it is, it, it, she really did make a sacrifice because it's like you're going to have a record or something. But why is it so important that he not be watched right. and that she be in the front seat? Right. It's like double, That's, double suspicious that he didn't acknowledge that it was weird. Yeah, or that, oh, if that is making all three women uncomfortable, right. then fine, sit in the back seat, or then fine, stand outside and I'll write you this ticket, because you're yeah. getting the ticket either way. Yeah. Is the point that he has control over their body? No, it's not. It's that they were speeding and they're getting a ticket. Right. And who gives a shit if she stands there and keeps watch? Who cares yeah. if she's standing there? It's important. It's good. Yeah. Oh, my God. That mm. is so mm. badass. I can't mm. even fucking handle it. I know, right? If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like, perfectly scrambled eggs. Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware. Made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Maiden. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay. This one's called a new year surprise, lighthearted treasure. Hey, MFM crew. Happy 2022. Let's get to it. I woke up on New Year's Day to the news that our planned bathroom renovation was starting today because our tub was leaking. Not the best start to the New Year, but the old bathroom was 80s ugly, so good riddance. Hey, hey. Mm. I like the 80s. (laughs) In the afternoon, I came back from walking one of our dogs, Silas, when my partner called out from the bathroom. I think I just found $1,000. (laughs) While tearing apart the bathroom, he found the money in a Ziploc bag clearly stashed with an easy reach of a hole in the floor that had since been covered by a previous owner. Oh, my first thought old money. Yeah. Yes. My first thought after he told me was that I finally had a hometown to submit. We found treasure. (laughs) Treasure. Stay sexy and don't forget to take your hidden cash when you move out. Beth. Okay, Beth, could you please check the year on those bills yeah. and then circle back with was what year were they from? Like, yeah, what was the final year of all of them? Yeah, right. Was this treasure from 1940 or 1999? Well, if it I've was an 80s bath and bathroom, that means they remodeled probably in the 80s. So it's probably around then. I like it. I like your deduction. Do you like that? I did. It helped me. <laughs> It helped me. I watch a lot of remodeling shows. A lot. (laughs)
I mean, better a thousand dollars than asbestos, which is what they usually find. Yeah. Also, is it spendable money? Did you just get a thousand dollars? Like, I think so. Do you now get like one of those um, faucets that you just wave your hand on like a public bathroom <laughs> and it goes on by itself? Yeah, it has to go back in the bathroom. It has to go in the bathroom. Yeah. But if it's, that's a previous owner was like, please make this bathroom look yeah, better. Yeah. Here's we know some we kind of fucked money. up in the 80s. Here's some laundered money. Could you please? Okay, here's my last one. It's also lighthearted. Uh, subject is bad lunch vibes. Hello, all. First, let me say I've been listening to MFM since episode 10. Ooh. Wow. Hi. Thank you. And I'm so proud of how hard you've worked and how far you, your company, and our community have come. Aw. Wonderful. Anyways. I recently moved to a small town in Northern California, and then in parentheses, it says very Karen of me, <laughs> and, it's, and I started a new office job. Being in one spot for eight hours a day was starting to drive me up the fucking wall, so I decided to use my lunch hour to drive around the town to get my bearings. Well, I ended up finding this cute little pull-off on a back road. It's not very heavily trafficked, and it's next to a huge solar panel field, which are generally pretty hopeful places. <laughs> so my daily lunch drive started ending up on this pull-off where I'd listen to your podcast and eat a turkey sandwich and generally zone out until I had to return to work. <laughs> a, a few nights ago, I was Googling local serial killers and true crime stories, as you do when you move to a new area, mm -hmm. and all caps. Guess where I've been eating lunch? Oh, God. The fucking Lake Herman Zodiac site, <gasps> a.k.a. the site of the first known Zodiac killings. That's right. Oh. Your girl has been inviting bad vibes into her sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, my cooking definitely isn't good enough to attract any ghosts. There were no signs, memorials, or plaques, and if I hadn't absentmindedly Googled the area, I would have never known. So now I'm working on finding a new place to skulk <laughs> off to during lunch after weeks of sitting at a historic murder site, oh. just like chilling. No one else in my life was impressed, so I hope you guys got, got the same little shock I did. Yes. Stay sexy and find normal places to hide from work. Madeline. Wow, Madeline. <laughs> that she is was so funny. She went right right to that. It's, it's one of the scariest scenes in yes. the Zodiac movie. Yes. Uh, it's I where the guy scene. survives, right? And he's Correct. like by his car. They just a guy with a bag on his head steps oh. out from behind a tree. Terrifying. It's like in the quietly movie, walks over to them. Oh, it's so, so scary. Um, go somewhere with a, a little more public, please, too, because that secluded yeah. scares me a little bit. Yeah, a nice public park or something. Yes, perfect. Not that bad things don't happen there too, but yeah, you know, you don't have to seclude yourself. At least there's witnesses. Yeah, <laughs> let's get some. Yeah. Let's get some watching going, like the email before. Let's get some witnesses. Uh, like again, if you want to watch this on video, go to Fan Cult, and we do one extra story each in the Fan Cult. So check that out if you want. If not, yeah. that's fine too. Do you like exclusive content? Well, then the Fan Cult's the place to be. Yeah. Do you not? Fine. Fine. Then stay sexy and don't get murdered. Goodbye, Bye -bye. Elvis. Do you want a cookie? <laughs> This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Associate producer, Alejandra Keck. Engineer and mixer, Stephen Ray Morris. Researchers, Jay Elias and Haley Gray. 
Send us your hometowns and your fucking hoorays at myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. And for more information about this podcast, our live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>